Hello and welcome to another movie podcast. My name is Oscar and with me only today is Luke. That's right. Just Luke today. Roth is out. I don't mean out of the show. He's just out for the week. Um, this is episode number 164. And today's episodes, uh, three reviews that we're going to be doing are movies that I picked. And those movies are, they're the three A's. They act, This is accidental. But they're the three A movies. Armageddon Time, currently in theaters by James Gray. We're also going to review uh, from Netflix the French movie Athena, uh, or it takes place in, in in France, I should say. And then, uh, and then we conclude our review with um, the twentieth anniversary of uh, About a Boy, About a Boy from two thousand two. Um, this is, uh, like I said, this is episode one hundred sixty four. You can always find this episode and all of our other episodes at otherpodcast dot com. Check that out to uh, see what uh, what else we've been doing lately and our current marathon as well. Um, now, um, Luke. Yes. How you been, man? What's going on? Oh, I've what, been great. I, I actually took a vacation and I went to Connecticut. Spent some time with my girlfriend and met some of her family. And mm-hmm. It was a fun little trip. Yes, that's right. Um, and you had it was a, you said it was um, a good time. How was meeting the family? Oh, they were fine. They were great people. Connecticut's really nice. It's like, had I been there like two weeks earlier, I would have seen better like foliage with like the leaves turning colors, but it was still really nice to see. Is that a big thing over there? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, we get our fall here, but like the colors kind of here are bland over there. The colors really pop like the yellows and the reds on the trees. Really? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, just go to the East Coast like during that fall time just to see it. Okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, yeah. And then, uh, what else? I've just been, you know, uh, playing uh, the new God of War that just came out, Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And I finished one of, I, I was reading this book for a while, for a couple of days now, about behavioral economics called Misbehaving. Um, kind of like the history of this whole concept of behavioral economics. And it was a fine, it was an okay read. It kind of, Slogged yeah. on the other half, you know. Oh, but okay. I did have a, a listener of the show recommended me this other really good book called "The Skies Belong to Us." Yeah, uh, love and terror in the golden age of hijacking. It takes about talks about like a historic pre, uh, thing of like from the sixties to like the nineteen seventy three, how people mm-hmm. were hijacking planes left and right just to go to like Cuba or these other places, mm-hmm. and how it was getting like crazier. Uh, so that's half of the book, and the other half is about this couple that hijacked a plane and went all the way to Algeria. Damn. Yeah, it's a it's a good read. I'm already like halfway through it, and I've only been reading it for a couple of days. But it's a that's a lot of hijacking. Huh. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny because like there would be multiple hijackings on the same day, it just as pure coincidence. <laughs> and like as they were hijacking, like. Like the story about the people hijacking this plane, another hijacking took place at the same exact time, and they were trying to see because they were in the same area too, mm-hmm. like if they were related to each other. Right, they were like connected, like a group. <laughs> but then, like the airlines were doing like nothing to stop it. They're like, "Ah, eh, we can't have like people go through like metal detectors or X-rays. It's like unfathomable." This is back. Then. This is pre nine eleven talk, right? This is like nineteen seventy three. I think after that, then, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess it was so much easier to do it. Yeah. Well, I think after that, I think what happened was, I think in the 70s, it was the 
locker be bombing in London? Well, they like put like a suitcase with explosives, and then that's when they, everything started to change. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Good book. Definitely recommend it. All right. What's it called again? The Skies Belong to Us. Mm-hmm. Love and Terror in the Golden Age of Hijacking by Brendan something. I did not think there would be a golden age for such a thing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we it. missed it. Well, you might have been alive for it. but Maybe. A little bit. Yeah. Tail end there. Uh, as far as I, what I have been doing, not, not much um, lately. Um, I have some, I mentioned this to you just now recently. Uh, I have some toothache, which is annoying. And always been a, a problem for me for a long time. Um, so A, not unusual, but B, also oh, really annoying and really painful, obviously. Um, besides that, and the reason Rafa ain't here is because, uh, not to go into too much details, but he had to uh, get back into the hospital. Don't worry, everything's fine. But like he wasn't available to review or watch the movies, I think, two of the movies he hadn't seen. And uh, he's at home now. And it's all fine now, but essentially is, uh, yeah, that's why he's not available this week. Um, but he would hopefully be with us in the next show. Um, I don't think, I don't think he'd miss that one. Um, okay. Um, but that's, re- that's really it. Nothing much. Um, now let's head into some recent discoveries. You have seen something finally. Yes. Last two times, so you didn't see shit. <laughs> so what do you have? Yeah. So, uh, because I went to Connecticut, uh, if, on Halloween, I guess a big f- tradition for my girlfriend and her family was to watch Hocus Pocus. Okay. Which I've never seen. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this about you. Yeah. yeah. So I, f- I finally saw Hocus Pocus, and then I fouled it up by watching Hocus Pocus 2 the next day with her. Um, I did oh. not know Hocus Pocus. So I knew it was about some witches. I didn't know that they were the villains. Oh, really? I, all the stuff I would see, I thought they were like, you know, maybe like, yeah, sure, they're bad, but they're kind of like still like the good people in the movie. <laughs> kind of like the protagonist, you know, but I don't know. But yeah, no, it turns out that That's was funny. That's not funny. the case. No, they're uh, bad. Yeah. And I, I guess I could see why it has a following with people, this movie, but you know, I think I've seen it too late, so I missed out on, on that child nostalgia. Yeah. That's why I can't watch the Goonies and like it like people do. Well, I saw the Goonies and Hocus Pocus back then, and um, I don't have a nostalgic connection. Okay. Well, you watch more movies than the average. Well, also, like, well, I do have connections with some, just not those. Yeah. Right. Right. And then um, as we were perusing through my uh, Disney Plus app, I had Sleeping Beauty on my uh, watch list because despite knowing the premise of this movie, mm-hmm. I've never actually seen like the 19, what is it, 50th. 1959. Is it a, is it a Disney 50 movie? I didn't know. Yeah, that 1959. Damn. I, I double yeah. checked. Yeah, so I finally watched that. And now I know why there's a movie called Maleficent, because that was the name of that witch. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. That's like the first appearance of Maleficent, right? Yep. So, yeah. so have I you seen Maleficent it. with. Uh, no. What's her name? No, never seen it. What's her name? Uh, who plays her in it? Is it Angelina Jolie? It is, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was wondering, like, why would they call this movie Maleficent? Like, that's a pretty hard title for, like, something like kind of a kid's movie. Oh, I see. <laughs> you thought it was more of an adjective than it was, like, a name? Yes. Got it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And finally, I saw Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Mm-hmm. A parody I musical one. biopic about a man who parodies pop songs. Yeah. Starring, obviously, Daniel Radcliffe, who has did an amazing job portraying Weird Al. Uh, 
funny movie, obviously. Little over the top sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was produced by the people at Funny or Die. Oh, really? And I thought they were just like being like internet skip guys. So there's a couple of times where I'm just like, hmm, this thing could is lacking production value. Hmm. Okay. But there's some cool um cool throwbacks to people in like the nineties. Like you could see like people like uh who did they have? They had like people like War Andy Warhol was in it. Not the actual Andy Warhol, obviously. Not people yet. portraying him. Uh things like, you know, Salvador Dali, uh so you mean more like an '80s thing, right? Because uh, maybe '80s, '90s, yeah. yeah. It, it was fun. And then no, I really want to see this movie. I, I can't. Yeah, I'm gonna see it for sure. I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, I really want to see this movie. As far as biopics go, how does the biopicness go for you? I mean, it's not at all. <laughs> right. It is the most exaggerated movie I could imagine. You know, I don't even want to tell you where it goes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, it. I get it, I get it. No, I mean, that sounds right up exactly like where I would do. So. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's appropriate to the man um, who is, by all accounts, a very awesome human being to know. Everywhere, every time I hear Weird Al? stories about Weird Al, yeah. Oh, it seems like it. He's like a very straight-up kind of cool guy um, that everyone knows and admires. Um, that's awesome. That's called Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Where is it on? So it's on the Roku channel. Mm-hmm. So if you have a Roku device, you should be able to watch it. Mm-hmm. But it's also a, uh, I guess a, it could be an app because it gave me a thing like, oh, you could download this on like, I think like Samsung TVs or like a Fire or an Amazon like Fire Stick or something like that. Got it. But yeah, the Roku channel, I don't know. What yeah, and that's it. an ad supported thing, by the way, just so everyone knows. Um, yeah. That's the thing that sucks about it. I, I had a, I think I had like seven commercial breaks during it. Oh, that's not as bad. Yeah, it I've was seen like way worse. Yeah, unfortunately, I have seen way worse. <laughs> um, that's great. I want I want to see this for sure. So I want to check it out. Um, what else do you have? Is that it? Uh, yeah, that was it. it for now. Yeah, got it. Um, I have a few here since we um, the since our time between shows uh, Halloween happened. Um, I still was able to see quite a number of horror movies, um, new to me anyway. Here is, um, I have two good ones and two bad ones. <laughs> um, let me double check. Uh, yes, exactly. Two good ones, two bad ones. Okay. So I saw The Last Rite, R-I-T-E, by the way. The Last Rite came out in 2021. A medical student suffering from sleep paralysis finds herself plagued by a demon, demonic entity after moving in with her boyfriend. Uh, this is on Hulu, guys, just so you know. And this one, a movie I did not like. It's one of the movies I did not like at all. Um, yeah, the, the reason I wanted to see this movie, um, it was mildly recommended to me. Like, oh, it's one of those things where people say, Oscar, have you seen The Last Rite yet? I feel like that was a good one, you know, something like that. And I, what I really heard about it is that this movie is about the hat man and the shadow people. For those of you who are not into, involved in supernatural activities of, or lore, uh, the hat man is a, is a case where, like, um, people with sleep paralysis have claimed over the years, over the decades, have seen him haunting them. Oh, I remember that. I know this one, yeah. Yeah, you know it? Okay. Yeah, he and just also, stands there. You can't. He just like, stands yeah. there, right, and it's like you can't move, and it's very frightening. And um, But not just sleep paralysis, people, also uh, little kids, little children would often claim to see the hat man across the street through their screen window or whatever, outside their house usually. 
um, standing there with no features. It's like a shadow person. Um, they describe him as a shadow person with a with a very distinctive hat, like a wide brim hat. And that's why I thought, you know, that's what this movie is kind of like. The, the you know, that's what the horror is from in this movie. Uh, however, this movie obviously butchers that entirely. It's very, it's not, I wouldn't say Hollywoodized, but it's not very good. And the movie takes uh, a very different and religious uh, direction that I did not enjoy. And I felt was way too hokey, especially for 2021 when the movie came out. And much worse now, a year later when I saw it, um, I feel like it's very tropey and cliche. And the whole thing about like, you ever seen those horror movies, uh, Luke, where like um, the spouse going through some horrible shit, the main actor or whatever. And then the, the spouse of that person not believing them, even though yes. like, yeah, like the, in the most like senseless ways. Um, kind of like the, the Watcher. Uh, the well, I'll say the watch uh, watcher. They tried like the guy yeah. was much more forthcoming on understanding than ninety percent of the movies. Uh, so what I mean is like the worst version of the watcher, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, that's what happens with this girl's husband, who is like it's very. It felt very nineties and early two thousand shit. Like I'm like, come on! I thought we were past this. It was kind of annoying, more than annoying. So I wouldn't really recommend this movie, honestly. But I did see it, and there it is, last right. Uh, here's another one here. I saw Halloween Ends. Have you seen the other ones, by any chance? This is the... David Gordon Green movie. Okay, the, the one before this was just what Halloween... Kills. Kills. And that's where he escaped, essentially, like... No, so this is part three. Part one is called Halloween. Part two is called Halloween Kills. And then Halloween Kills is when she's older than, right? And she has the house. They're all, older. They're all when trap. she's older. They're all when she's older. Yes. Yes. The booby trap stuff. Um, the first one, they're all when they're older. They, the first one came out like 2018. Okay. Or something like that. And then uh, 2020, I think. And then now 2022. Anyway. Um, no, 2021. I think the last one came out. And the last one came out, I think, on Peacock at the same time in theaters. Same thing with this movie. I think it's on Peacock as well. Oh, so wait. The last one came out in 2021? I want to say that. I want to say it came out last year. Oh, yeah. then I don't think I saw it. Hmm. Well, I did like the last one. I didn't like the first Halloween. Of this, this is a trilogy, right? So this trilogy imagines that there is no other Halloween movie except for the very first one from the, from the 70s. Okay? So you take that movie, and this is a sequel, supposedly, a sequel trilogy starting from that point. So imagine that no other sequel exists. Yeah. It doesn't exist. The Busta Rhymes one doesn't exist, you know. Um, anyway, um, so Halloween Kills I really like because uh, it, it brought in this whole, the town mentality into the into this notion. There are a lot of murders also, a lot of badass kills in that movie. I really liked Halloween Kills, even though I didn't love Halloween of this, the new Halloween, the 2018 one. Um but the 2021 Halloween Kills was actually pretty solid as a as a fucking slasher. It was everywhere. It was cool. I love the town mob mentality going in. Like I said, um, so I was I was a little excited for Halloween Ends. It's the ending, right? It's a trilogy. And uh, man, I was disappointed. Uh, I did not like Halloween Ends. Really, I did like how the movie had balls and was doing something bold and new and different. I do like movies when they do that. It just failed miserably because what I wanted was fucking Michael Myers. Let me tell you a story. Michael Myers is not so much in this movie in Halloween ends. Don't get me wrong. He's in it, but like he is not in it until like it's way too late. And it's involved. It's about the, the essence of evil more than Michael Myers or any of the lore of Michael Myers or, or even him um, killing people or anything like that. It's not about that. It's about something else. It is about the ending too. But, like, eh, a lot of missteps, in my opinion. 
So I didn't love Halloween Ends. But that's available on Peacock if you are so interested. And if you have seen it, obviously, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, so will there be a fourth one? No, no, no. I mean, there will be more. They'll never not make them. But as far as David Gordon Green, his trilogy of Halloween movies, this is the last one. Okay. So they're not going to bring back this Michael Myers. Like, he's dead, right. hopefully? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and I don't think, I don't necessarily think Jamie Lee Curtis will do another one. She is aging here. So she just might be her last time. Might be the last time we see her as Laurie Strode or whatever her name is. Schroeder? I don't remember. Um, anyway, so that's uh, that's the Halloween trilogy. Uh, moving on here, I saw these are the two good movies. This one's on HBO Max, The Eyes of My Mother. It is a horror movie. In their secluded farmhouse, a mother, a former surgeon, teaches her daughter, Francesca, anatomy and how life and death are not to be feared. One afternoon, a mysterious visitor shatters all the, the, the idyllic the idol of their family life and deeply traumatizes Francesca, but also awakens curiosities. Years later, Francesca clings to her increasingly distant father, but the trauma she sustained reawakened her, reawakened when her desire to connect with the world around her takes on a dark form. This is essentially a serial killer movie where you saw when you watch like the first act of the movie is basically a preamble to the woman that she's going to become, which is a serial killer. Um, and it isn't point blank. It is not like serial killer in the way where like she has to kill. It's more like the situations of her mental state create these situations, create these desires that she wants and which results in killing people. And she is good at it in a way where like people find her so unassuming that she can get away with it. And it's, it's, it's pretty gruesome. It's pretty cool. It's it's not in your face though, not at all. It's very. It, it feels like a drama movie, but it's just that it's a serial killer you're watching. You know, um, I found the movie to be very, very good, and the way it handled the origins of her, like you know exactly why she's killing this person and that person. Like they don't say it in the movie because they already they already set you up with the first half of the movie to as to why this woman is so disturbed and traumatized to be killing at all. Um, and it's, it's, it's sometimes heartbreaking, honestly. It's hard. It definitely puts you in her shoes. Very good movie. I liked it a lot. Um, the Eyes of My Mother, which is a foreign picture film. Uh, it's some of it's in English, I believe, if I remember. But the actual language is, uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Um, Portuguese. It's English and Portuguese. Mm-hmm. They mix a lot of both of those. Anyway, so that's what that is. I saw it on HBO Max. Check it out. I do recommend it. Last but not least here, I saw Ty West's latest film. Um, Pearl. Have you heard of Pearl? Um, is this the one with the girl with the axe? Yes. Because mm-hmm. isn't there two movies out? Yes. So earlier in the year, X <laughs> okay. came out. Remember the movie X? Okay, just just the letter X. Yeah, the letter X, X came out. Give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Who is that rapper? Um. Oh. Uh, oh um. DMX. DMX. Thank you. He died recently. We died like last year, right? Passed right. away. Yes. Yeah. Um, died, passed away. I mean the same thing. Um, yeah, X came out in theaters uh, earlier in the year. I did see it, and I did recommend it. I liked that movie a lot. It's set in the seventies. It's about this uh, porn. Uh, these people making porn, and they like they they don't Airbnb rent, but they rent this um, farmhouse like barn or something that they're all sleeping mm-hmm. in, and they make a porn shoot there. Um, and then throughout the movie, the owners of the house, these old couple, especially the woman, it, uh, whose name is Pearl, is uh, like 
gets jealous of their looks and their, you know, their beauty, their energy, and starts fucking killing folks. And it's one after another kind of thing. And it's kind of, it's, it's a really cool movie. So this movie, Pearl, which I never knew was coming, it's a prequel to the whole thing. It's about Pearl when she was young in the uh-huh. 40s or 30s or something. I don't know. Okay. Right or, thir- or 20s, whatever. Whenever she was uh, like, a, a, you know, a, a college age person. And it's about her origins like how what kept her staying there it's about the story uh, just the pearl story basically and the movie um does a really good job of like making a it's it's, it is it is a horror movie but it it's really for a long time it is just a story it's like a drama story about this woman and for a long time you see like where it's gonna go and the whole time you're dreading the eventuality of her violence, um, even though the movie does a good job of keeping it close to its heart for a while. It keeps it close. In. But once it fucking erupts, it erupts with a vengeance. And it is very good. I really like the movie, especially the end credits uh, visualization that they do with her and smiling. Uh, uh, just so intense. You got to watch it. It's fucking right. it's bonkers. It is. Bonkers. This is one of those things where I should watch X and then Pearl. Not Pearl I would say, well, yeah, I would say watch Pearl and uh, watch watch X and then Pearl. But you could do whatever. I think both they, they're so different enough from each other that they work stand apart. They, they're standalone from each other as well, um, even though it is the same character. Um, it's still very it's still, they're different enough. You, you won't like, they, they help each other out, but they're not like sequels to each other. They are, but they're not, they don't feel that way. You don't have to watch one to understand the other. So, um, so whatever order you want, really. But I do recommend Pearl. I really, really enjoyed it. A very good movie. If I had to choose one, I will watch Pearl. But, but I, I also, that's recency bias for okay. me. So, I, mean, I don't know. Anyway, um, so Pearl is available on VOD and whatnot. It was in theaters for a little while, but now I don't think anymore. Yeah, I remember the double feature showings that they had. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, it also has this like, very stylistic, uh, old movie, st- uh, kind of like marquee in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Um, anyway, uh, that's Pearl, and that's it. that's it for our recent discoveries. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to review our first movie of the evening, which is Armageddon Time. So find out what that's about and stay with us. A deeply personal coming-of-age story about the strength of family and the generational pursuit of the American dream. Sounds very James Gray. This is uh, Armageddon Time, written and directed by James Gray, starring a bunch of people. Some of them you know, some you don't. Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong play the parents of Banks Rapetta, who plays Paul Graff, the main character of the movie. Uh, Jalen Webb is also in this movie. Anthony Hopkins, Andrew Polk, Tovar Feldshu, I'm not sure. Um, Marcia Haufrecht and Teddy Kaluka will stop there. Um, yeah, this is, uh, so I picked this movie solely on the strength of the filmmaker, James Gray, who, um, I'm a big fan of his films. He's done movies like Two Lovers, great movie, The Lost mm-hmm. City of Z, Ad Astra, mm-hmm. Immigrant, The Immigrant, you never saw mm-hmm. The Immigrant? Nope. Have you seen any of these movies I mentioned? Uh. The, the Yards? Uh, nope. We Own the Night? Yes, that's the only one I know. <laughs> Ironically, though, I just got a copy of Ad Astra for free from Disney. Okay, watch it. It has a really has a cool moon action sequence in there. That's pretty badass. Um, I thought you, I you saw, never the saw the Lost City of Z. No, the Immigrants on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, so it's still on there. You can mm. watch that whenever. Um, you really okay. like that? Is that the one you really enjoyed one year? The Immigrant, yeah. It wasn't. Oh, no, wait, no. It's, I'm thinking of the other one, where it's this girl from like Scotland. Comes to New York. Oh, you're thinking of Brooklyn. Brooklyn. That's, that's a hand though. That's a different person entirely. That's a, 
I get I get what you're saying. I mean, she is an immigrant, I guess, but no, it's not the same. Um, not the same movie. Anyway, uh, okay, fine. You're not a James Gray guy, uh, but I am. Um, so I will start off with this one by saying that as far as a James Gray film, I think this movie is very much his alley. Up his alley, he's done a lot of like American coming of age stories uh, in different ways, obviously in different ways entirely. Ad Astra is nothing like this movie, of course. None of his movies are really not like each other in any way, but the bones of the drama, of the dreaming, of the success, of the of the driving force of humanity is in all his movies. It's just that they're shown differently, and he takes a different angle, a different perspective, a different time period. Um, this one, like I said, is set in the 1980. So um, I didn't say that before, but I'm saying it now. Uh, this is set in 1980 in Brooklyn or New York adjacent or something. And um, yeah. And as far as uh, this goes in comparison to his other movies, I would say that this is probably my least favorite of his. I did enjoy the movie. Uh, I just didn't love it. And I felt hard for loving it because um, it feels like this movie feels out of time. And I don't mean because it's set in a different time, but I feel like it's not giving me... I don't think it gave or presented anything new to me that I haven't seen in a coming of age story, especially of one. Uh, how old is he in the movie? The um, like nine, 11 nine, years old, 11 years old uh, of an 11 year old. Like I feel like a lot of films uh, popular or not have already kind of demonstrated all of this stuff. Felt kind of a little rote to me, a little, a little, um, you know, nothing new discovered here going on. Um, I did like the drama of it. I did like not knowing where it was going to go in some of these scenes. I did genuinely not know where things were going to end up. Um, I don't know how hardcore this movie was going to get or like how tragic, if it was any tragedy. I didn't know anything going in. And there's a magic in that for sure. But ultimately, like I said, James Gray's film, Armageddon Time, felt... Um, it felt like more of a personal statement, like a personal diary made into a movie than something I can relate to on a deeper level like he maybe wanted me to. And so ultimately I felt a little disappointed by it. But what do you think about it? This is your second James Gray movie. So Yeah, well I mean we own the night. We own the night's way different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> way fucking different. <laughs> Could not be more different. <laughs> I think doing that New York might be the only thing they have in common. Mm. The American dream aspect I guess is there because yeah. there is something in that. But um yeah, yeah no I <sighs> Definite coming of age story slash life, maybe I don't know. It's yeah, it was all right. Yeah, nothing crazy. Uh, felt really worried about the performance by Anthony Hopkins. I'm just like, oh, he seems really old. Yeah, every time I see him these days, the last <laughs> years, I'm like, oh man, I hope this is not the last movie. <laughs> right. I really hope this guy lives forever. I know it's not true, but I want him to live forever. Yeah, he's 84. Jesus. Ever since uh, ever since Westworld season one, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> Well, there won't be a season five. There will be a season. Oh, yeah, there might not be. No, they canceled it. Did they really cancel it? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you knew. No, I didn't know. Um, uh, yeah, well, that changes my top ten right there. <laughs> yeah, it stops at four. Sorry. That sucks. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, but no. Um, interesting. I mean, there's definitely there's a lot of ideals that he's that are trying to be portrayed in this movie. Mainly, I think about like uh, racial inequality and things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, but religious persecution not persecution but uh anti-semitism that's what it is yes um and then i don't know i just i hate child actors <laughs> what did you think of this child actor he uh, wasn't who could, bad who i only totally wanted to play, I, I feel like he could play peter pan in a, in a theatric i only wanted to punch him in the back of the head once yeah i get it yeah i mean, I mean me too a few times yeah um 
a few times. I felt like the father. I'm like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. Oh, my God. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Busted the door down. Oh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yes. That was funny. <laughs> um, funny, not funny. Funny, yeah, not no. funny. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about performances, and then we can get into spoilers, because this is, like I said, like you said, slice of life, coming of age. So um, what do you think of Anthony Hopkins, though, in the movie, in his role in the movie? I mean, he was great. He was just like the very supportive grandfather role, follow your dreams, but also... Yeah. Obviously, instilled a lot of things into this, uh, uh, into uh, Paul, mm-hmm. like about you know, like, hey, life's unfair, you know, and sometimes, even though it's like the, not the popular thing, you got to stand up for what you believe in or, or for others. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. then there's like this whole time where he doesn't do it and he doesn't give him shit for it. It's more like you know, not this time, but you know, next time. Yeah, kind of. Like, don't do that. Be a mensch. He says that. Be a mensch. Yeah, That's a, a very huge thing, of course. Um, I heard about it. I'm sure, and if. Woody Allen movie at some point. But yeah, be a mensch. That's a big thing. It's a big thing. Um, uh, I worry about the Anne Hathaway and the, and the, the father. I forgot his name. Okay, so it took me the longest time to figure out that was Anne Hathaway. I was like, oh, really? I know her. She looks so familiar. Oh, wow. I was instantly I was like, oh, Anne Hathaway. Nice. Yeah, no, she plays like a very, you know, typical mother, like trying to best with her kids, but, you know. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. Jeremy Strong's just, I don't know, I, I couldn't figure him. Like, he seems like a dork and a wimp till he beats the shit out of his kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't, I can't, pe- I couldn't peg him. Like, what kind of dad he was. But I guess he's just kind of like, he has to be the disciplinarian. Sometimes he could be the good guy. Like, I mean, okay, so they have this family dinner. I forgot the occasion um, early on in the movie where um, they have uh, the grandparents there, and I think, uh, Basically, the grandparents and the, and the and the main family, right, of both mm-hmm. sons, and um, the older son, the brother of the kid, uh, the brother of Paul, um, says something or does something, and this is amidst everyone talking over each other, and the dad says something like like it's about to beat the shit up, like something like that, like saying like oh shit, like you fucked up, and the kid runs away, like out of fear, like oh no, like no no no, I'm gonna run away before you can you feel like you get the chance to get up and uh, chase me, you know. Um, <laughs> And like that moment is when I knew what kind of father he was because oh, see, I hadn't noticed that when the, when the mother like unleashes the father's mo- like for a moment, like wait until your fucking dad here's like no 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 please don't do that please don't do that, and you see that again the second step is later on Paul fucks up and the mother threatens to bring up the her father into mm-hmm. it. And like he, the fear in that kid's like I know that fear, <laughs> so like I I, I remember it very well. So I knew that I knew what kind of father he was from the beginning, um, because because of that. So um, anyway, I think uh, I, we, we don't have a whole lot here, so I'm gonna get to spoilers just so we can talk freely. So let's do spoilers for Armageddon time starting right now. Um, now this isn't an uh, event after event kind of story, but this is a movie about inequality, which is I would say that's the real modern thing on this movie. It takes it tackles on inequality in a very subtle, not subtle, but like a very personal way. Yeah, and I felt like that was the best part of the movie um, by like not bringing it up constantly. The boys, the two boys here in this movie, um, Paul and what's the kid? What's the kid? Johnny Davis. Johnny. Um, it's. Like, their interactions felt, honestly, the most real of the whole movie. I don't know how you feel about it. But it felt very the most real, as in, like, the kid has no sense of racial 
I'll right. To him, Johnny's yeah. another kid. Doesn't matter. He's another kid that he likes astronaut shit and he, he's into the same things he is. They're both troublemakers in school, right? Yeah. All that shit. And that they, they bond out of this. But like the, the, the inequality that comes out of it is because of what his grandfather tells him. His father tells him this too. And uh, the whole thing with the cop station thing is basically a build up to the whole thing. Um, what do you not think even of that? that? Uh, even, not even that. It's like also, there's these like moments in this movie where like, I guess so. They're they're in Queens, New York, and I guess they go to he goes to a, a public school while his brother goes to a private school, mm-hmm. and there's like I think it was his grandma was talking about like, oh, you know, these schools nowadays are getting so worse. You know, they're busting in those kids from those other neighborhoods now into you yeah. know into yours, and I'm just like, oh yeah, she's obviously talking about yeah the black kids, yeah, black kids going into the school, and I'm just like, okay, but like Paul doesn't see that. He's like, oh, you know, this is this is Johnny. No, if anything, he probably likes school more because Johnny's there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like how the kid's very, you know, naive about it in a, in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, and he's just, like, not inherently well, hating this kid. And But the thing, the thing is that this movie doesn't make it preachy either. Like, I feel like it could have gone there. It could easily go there. But I felt the relationship um, where, like, they talk about, you know, him casually coming up. You know, Johnny coming up casually with, uh, well, my grandmother is like sick. There are people like coming to my house looking for me. I need to kind of stay in your shed. And it's like the way it comes up, it's a little matter of fact, a little, a little like about their, what they want to do and hang out and stuff. But like it just comes out of this quiet, quiet desperation. The kid's not like out and out like crying to him. There's no one mentioning anything about any racial inequality. He just knows. And, he knows he needs help, and he goes to his friend to ask for help. And Paul kind of like, well, I, w- I want to for this, but then the, the grandfather dies around that time. And like, I like I like their interactions. I felt very organic, and it felt like the way it was proceeding. I didn't like. I mean, I it felt realistic the whole cop thing, but like, man, I was like, that sucks because yeah. it obviously was going to end. And um, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, well, how did it made, what made you feel about it? Because I think that's the whole point is uh, is eliciting some reaction. Like you feel dirty, like you're just like, uh, like you, you know, this happens, and especially mm-hmm. if, like if it was like 1980s, it was like Jesus, yeah, it's, like much worse back then. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that kid's gonna be probably sent to juvie and then an adoption foster home situation, right? Mm-hmm. And chances are, statistically speaking, not gonna be great for him. Um, and the kid knows it too. The kid has his rage in him as well from suffering these levels of inequality even before they became friends right that's why he's acting out in school right which leads to the whole thing and about stealing the computer and taking the fall for that um which is a very very noble thing he did taking it for his friend because like at that point like might as well save one of us you know i know i can't be saved but i can save you um and it's not even like that but it's about his friend and just helping his friend out um yeah it's very heartbreaking it was a little heartbreaking that was like the real emotion of the movie for me um, I know a lot of people might hinge on the grandfather and I would say as an Anthony Hopkins fan, I did have a meta component to him dying. I don't want him to die, but like in the movie itself, like I felt like that is a passing of time. That's a marker of time. The kid learning death and all that. So I figured that's what that's about. And, um, yeah. Um, and what do you think about the, the whole private school shit? Like, what do you think about Paul? Like, what do you think is, I mean, you think he's going to be all right? I mean, I think, because I, I mean, at the end of the movie, you know, he's kind of like, it was there Thanksgiving dinner or something, that, or mm-hmm. it was after the election. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, Ronald uh, Reagan wins. Yeah, when Reagan won, people were like, oh, God, now we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Little do they know. No, but yeah, yeah I mean, uh, like, not... he was up in his room and like studying for once, and they're like, what? Like, that's not the Paul we know. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, like, he's going to try that. I think that was his thing. Like, I got to straighten up and fly right because if I'm going to help people, I can't be a fuck up. Yeah. I get that sense too. I, I do get that sense. I also feel like, um, like it is really unfair that a friend like his, like his Johnny, like his friend can't get what he has and he's fucking it up. Like, I feel like that's also another level of fuck you to his own friend. So he wants to make better mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, like, um, he might, he might have privilege, but you shouldn't squander it either. Kind of feel, um, in a very, like I said, a very childlike way, not like in a serious way. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like those things too. Um, I think I said, I wanted to love the movie. I didn't just didn't love it. You know, I didn't like, yeah. and the just, school sucks too, especially with like the whole, uh, the kids in the playground. Yeah. When they saw Johnny talking to Paul and they go up to Paul, like, Hey man, mm-hmm. like, you know, that kid, like. You yeah. have a black person come to your house, and it's like, oh my god! Like, oh, so yeah. I saw this movie with subtitles in the theater. Oh, really? you did? Wow. There was a weird showing that I saw on, like on a Tuesday night with subtitles. It was great because I could see like I guess one of the kids like ran off and I was like, hey, I want to tell you a secret. Like, uh, Paul has like black people come over to his house or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really? like, what the fuck? Kids uh, on the playground, I guess. I, I guess I missed that. That's awesome. Uh, not awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, the, I caught it because it had the subtitles. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't. It was like a limited showing, and it had subtitles. I mean, maybe it was like a showing for people that are like, like are hearing deaf or something, or hard of hearing. hearing. Yeah, it must be. But I was kind of excited when I booked. It. I was like, oh, cool. I even told Ralph because he was supposed to see it with me. I'm like, yeah, it's got subtitles. <laughs> You're so excited for subtitles. Yeah, we do watch everything with subtitles, just so everyone knows. Um, yeah, um, oh, my girlfriend hates that about me. Hates that you watch everything with subtitles. Yes, she doesn't like subtitles. No. Well, you know, heathens from Connecticut are the are they going to be? They're going to be heathens. What are you going to do? It's okay. just like I guess people concentrate so much on the subtitles, they miss everything. I'm just like, man, I just glimpsed at it. I re- I read it so fast. Yeah, you get I used don't... to it, and you watching the movie, you you can see all, all the beautiful pics, regardless of it. Uh, which is funny because that's going to be our next review. Is because it's all said and it's all different language, right? So. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, the movie is solid. Like I said, it's, uh, I recommend it mildly, but ultimately I can, I feel that emotional hook. Um, the grandfather dying as, and, uh, and the whole thing with Johnny, uh, that scene of, uh, the father being the shit out of him, um, was very reminiscent for sure. It did like, oh, that's not great because of my old, it reflected my childhood more than once, but like it, uh, it doesn't. It, it doesn't amount to a whole lot for me, ultimately. And it's not the movie's fault at all. It just didn't hit me right. Um, and because of that, I don't have much more to say about it. Um, because the movie's not bad. It's just like, I just didn't feel for it that much. Um, I assume that's how you feel, too. Yeah. A little bit. Um, all right. So, unfortunately, not James Gray's best film for us. But, uh, but Luke, you got to see The Lost City of Z or something, bro, because those. Okay. Yeah, you kept talking about that one. I was like, oh, that sounds mm-hmm. really good. And I never yeah. saw it. I think I made my top 10 that year. Anyway, that's it for our review of Armageddon Time. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to review our, our second film of the evening, which is on Netflix. It's going to be a movie called Athena, the goddess of something. Athena, stay with us. Hours after the tragic death of the youngest brother, in unexplained circumstances, three siblings have their lives thrown into chaos. 
This is Athena, written and directed by Roman Garvas, or Gavras, sorry, also co-written by Elias uh, Belkadar. Um, this movie stars a bunch of uh, real unknown for us, by the way. Uh, movie stars uh, Dali Bensala, Sami Slimane, Anthony Bajon, uh, Usa, mm, mm, Osini Embaric, Alexis Manetti, Virane Ba, and I'll stop there. But I think I mentioned the three brothers anyway, uh, especially Sebastian there. Because Sebastian comes in the third fucking half of the movie. Uh, okay. So this is Athena. And this is um, one of those uh, Netflix drops that Netflix doesn't, you know, doesn't <laughs> barely gives any weight to or any any advertisements to just drops. And then you just have to find out for yourself whether or not it's good kind of thing. But I did hear good things about it um, when it came out on there. Um all right, so Athena, I'm going to start with you, Luke, on this one. What are your impressions on this movie? I mean, who else are you going to start with? Oh, yeah, I have to. <laughs> oh, man, this movie is, it seemed kind of long, and it had a lot of attempted long shots. It's an hour 39. It's a normal size movie. Uh, it just felt long, because hmm. some, okay, a lot of long takes, mm-hmm. going from room to room, all kind, all over the place. Mm-hmm. It was, it was yeah. nuts. Um, the plot I felt was a little convoluted, hmm. but yeah, overall, good movie. Probably something that I would not have picked myself, but I'm glad I saw it. Nice. Um, yeah, I I I fell in love with this movie. I, I had no idea what I was watching going in. I knew nothing about it. Oh, same. Uh, I knew nothing. Even when I recommended it for a review, like I just heard that it was really good. I heard that it was that technical proficient movie it had a lot of bold kind of cinematography in it and it does for sure that first shot is like and, and the production well, value of the whole thing i'm just like oh my god I, like this so there was some money behind this movie or at least or the at money least they made, had well they did a lot with it yeah um it was a very very well-made movie it's very it's very purposeful it's bold as fuck it's uh, a lot of one shots like you said but complicated one shots, and they're not actual one shots. I should say, like the very first one, it's not, it's made to look like a one shot, basically. Yeah, there was they, a couple times it was like that kind of photography, but like, but it's made to look like a oneer, and it's very good. Like the opening shot is like ten minutes long, leading into the the title card of Athena, and it's fucking fantastic. It is fantastic. It travels from a police station to this like a best, building complex, a building complex like a neighborhood, right, called Athena. And uh, that's where the movie really takes place. Um, so, and the, so there's a, there's a technical aspects of it. I, I, some of these shots are are beautiful in its own way, of course. And uh, you'll never see you'll never see anything like it again, kind of thing. It feels like 1917 in many ways. Um, this movie feels actually like a war movie. Now that I think about it, um, but it isn't a war movie. It is a movie about political strife and uh, citizens and um, misjudgments and justice and wrongs and, and revenge and it has all these things in it and uh, familial ties and shit and this movie is so crushing in many ways the movie is very much in the moment for 99 minutes uh, i will agree with you luke that for this for for a short movie it did feel longer but for me it felt longer in a good way because there was such an every moment by moments you know decisions and everything that's going on i felt like the movie was longer but in a good way um, I really love this movie. I just I just fell for it. I really liked the, what the movie has to say about 
um, police brutality. I like what the movie has to say about societal uh, upheaval. I like what the movie has to say about guerrilla warfare. <laughs> I like what the movie has to say about fireworks. Um, I'm, I'm kidding about the last one, but they use fireworks to a really good extent because uh, in France or like most other countries, they regulate their weapons. Like not anyone can get guns as easy it is as it is here. Um, and luckily, because of that, they they use these um, immense amount of fireworks to get their points across and to distract and deter the police that are coming in to their to their to their neighborhood. Right? Um, I really like the use of them. Um, this movie evokes a lot of emotion out of me too. It evoked a lot of emotion out of me. I really like the story of the three brothers, and um, and I would say probably you know uh, I don't know if you know this actually. Um, the guy who plays Karim, uh, mm-hmm. Sami Slimani, um, is uh, that was that was this is his first movie. Oh wow! You've never seen it. Like this is his first movie ever, and he fucking nailed it. He's the leader of the young people uh, of the of the of the guerrilla group of the terrorized group that uh, that is like like having this war on the police. Basically. I felt bad for him. It seems like he was very tired. This whole time, <laughs> the was. bags under this man's eyes. I was like, "Holy shit!" He's a young kid too. He's younger. He's young as fuck. He's like twenty or something. Jesus, he was he was an intense fella. Yeah, very intense fella. Yeah. Um. So um. What, what so what did you think of the political stuff going on in this movie? How do you feel about that? Do you? I mean, uh, did you feel personally attacked in any way on your feelings on it, or like did you feel this movie had? Uh, good things to say about um, any of what's going on here because police brutality is not just here; it's everywhere. Yeah. So I so I guess the whole premise of the movie started is that there right. was I, footage I of huh? Yeah. Go ahead. Is that there's footage of uh, the youngest brother Idir being killed, mm-hmm. and the footage makes it seem like the police did it, mm-hmm. like another senseless you know killing by the police or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to spoilers later, but and obviously that's so. Kareem is lives in this neighborhood. I guess there's they've been picked on by the police, so they are just tired of this. So they want to fight back. Mm-hmm. Abdel is like a military guy or a police guy. Military guy. Military, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's saying like you know, this is what ha- in the beginning. This is what happened to my brother. Um, the, he wants due process. He wants to be investigated. Make sure it was the police that did it and find the culprits. And yeah, due yeah. process. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the third brother is just. Mokatar, I think that's his name. Um, yeah, the third brother that's introduced uh, early on. I didn't know that they were all brothers until a little later. I didn't get the whole thing. Mokhtar. Sorry, Mokhtar. Yeah. Um, which sounds like a fucking Marvel villain name, by the way. Um, Mokhtar is a drug dealer. He is the worst of the worst kind of thing. Like, he is the, the reason, not the reason, but the reason people cite as why we don't want immigrants in our countries kind of thing. You know, he is the worst example of yeah. what everyone says that immigrants do when they when they cross borders and shit, and they squat in our countries, um, because France again they had this problem, uh, especially with Syria and all that recently. This is all recent stuff. So like, um, and it's happened time and time again across all lines and all the years. So uh, this happens, and when it happens, people from that live there longer, obviously people in this case from France. Uh, the white people, the Europeans that lived there for a long time, they will come out and say, like, those neighborhoods are shot, they're, they're ruining our everything, and they're bringing drugs into the country. Mokhtar represents that that face. He is that face in this brotherhood and these siblings. Um, and Abdel represents the opposite, the establishment. He represents, like, the 
the good boy version, right? Um, in many ways, not in every way, but like in many ways, he does. I feel like he does, Abdel. And then um, the main kid was the main kid. Not great names, Karim, and Karim represents rebellion. He's the rebel. He's the Che Guevara of the fucking group. Um, this establishment, right, taking down the man, so to speak, and like getting justice out of the whole thing. And the whole personal connection of the the youngest brother being killed by this, probably the most innocent of all. Um, is what sparks all this. And uh, my question to you, Luke, is that did you feel those tug and pulls between these three brothers, what they represent and what this movie's trying to say about police brutality and government control and immigration and all this shit? What do you feel about it? Um, yeah. I mean, because... I mean, in the beginning, you must, you focus on Kareem a lot. Yeah, and especially like you know him going then like the morning and he's going from like one place to another and like he cares about like the people that he's with like making sure like the the one guy who he helps out a lot. Yeah, like he's not stop helping people. Like he moved that one guy who was like uh, like mentally challenged or whatever. Yeah, yeah, from the courtyard, making sure he gets into like a safe place, mm-hmm. things like that. Like he cares about everyone. And yeah, then he goes into like a room where they're like I guess praying or mourning over the the death. So like, he's all over the place. He knows everyone. He's yeah. Yeah. yeah, very sympathetic figure. Like mm-hmm. he's uh, a very sympathetic guy. And um, this movie is a lot about, you know, this movie is uh, is about the world in many ways. But it's centered on these three kids, right? On these three guys uh, who are who are related to each other. But like, it somehow it it feels like it makes sense. It feels like that's how tenuous our grip on society is sometimes in our. American lifestyles, of course, you know, it's hard for us not to see this movie with an American lens because we live here. We live in Chicago. So, um, but like opening up to the world, it's hard to not see this movie as something personal to us in some way, because even though you and I may not have recent uh, um, biases against us from the police force or anything like that, um, we still read a lot of stories. We may know someone that knows someone that has gone through it or whatever. And um, it's hard to it's hard to separate from that a little bit sometimes. And I think the movie is making an effort to get us to be more universal about this feeling and getting us to empathize, right, with those points of view. And uh, I guess my, my question now to you is, uh, do you feel like the movie succeeded in what it was trying to do? What do you think it was trying to do, and do you think it succeeded? Like, do, you know, do you think the movie was preaching to you in some way, was telling you to, showing you a different side of something you don't normally see? Do you feel like there is, I mean, the, the movie seems very liberal, honestly, but also they show you that nice cop that wasn't a bad guy to anyone either. Um, I forgot his name in the movie, but yeah. Is that Jerome? Jerome, yeah. I think that's Jerome, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was weird, weirded up by that like, guy. I was like, I don't get the point. He was just like there to be there. I thought he was going to be a bigger character. Yeah. Once they, uh, and we'll get into spoilers soon, but once they decided to kidnap a cop to hold hostage until they find the uh, the people uh, uh, um, that killed his youngest brother, um, I knew it was going to be Jerome because we opened the cop portion of this side um, with him. Yeah. And especially just bringing up the whole thing with, oh, I have two daughters. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I guess that part of me when I was watching this movie, I was just like thinking, like, yeah, you like, you know, kind of like going against him, like uh, going against him. I'm like, you sure you want to do this? This is going to cause more problems for you. Like, mm. I, don't know, I guess I was thinking of like more like 
this is not the right way to go about these things, in my opinion. Yeah. But again, I've never been in his shoes, so not sure. Yeah. Do you feel sympathy for Karim? Yeah. I mean, I he, starts, yeah. he starts. He starts. I felt bad thing. for him. I mean, yeah. he's you know he's he just lost his brother. He's he's angry about everything going on to his community, to his family. Mm-hmm. It, it can take a toll on someone. Yeah, I mean, he is a very sympathetic figure, but also it is his responsibility as well. Like his, his it's it's on him in many ways that um that this whole movement starts. You know, that whole rebellious starts. Like, the, he causes a death. I mean, anyone that died that day, you know, I'm not saying it's directly his fault, but indirectly it is his fault He for opening this can of worms, right? Uh, mm-hmm. From <laughs> from stealing the gun locker. They couldn't even open. Um, from the police station, the very opening scene, and then leading into the the whole the whole thing at, at Athena, you know. Um, it is not entirely not his fault. It is some of it his, you know. Um, I, I think we should get into spoilers though. Um, we're gonna get into it so we can get because I want to see. I want to talk about Abdel and he has a big change in the movie. So, um, spoilers for Athena starting right now. Okay, so I know this movie's everywhere. I'm sorry. I know this movie's like crazy, and I, I feel like a lot of things on this movie already before I even saw it. So I had all these thoughts and political views on this stuff. But, um, what do you think of Abdel's U-turn change in the movie? after seeing his brother Kareem die and get killed by these cops, right? Um, he has a complete fucking U-turn, right? What do you think of that? And then, yeah, I, I didn't see that coming, and I thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, out of, not, I mean... Like I unbelievable say, weird? Like, yeah, in, uh, like, like I thought it would be like, out of character, but I guess this kind of shows the same thing like Kareem. You know, you can only push someone so far before they snap. That's exactly, yeah. That and then it happens to uh, you know Abdel now. Yeah, I feel like um, as as honorable as as Abdel was, and obviously uh, the oldest, right? Because these are all the younger crowd, you know, doing all this shit right now. Mm-hmm. These are all the young kids and the shit that live around the building. Um, he is the oldest, and he like knows, like you know, I, he's in the military, or he was, and um, he understands that there's a due process to things, there's a way to do things, and uh, violence isn't the answer. He goes in thinking that for most of the m- movie. And they'll, until the this, there's always a straw that breaks the camel's back in this movie, and there was a few. The movie opens with already the straw broken on Kareem's back, and um, and him going fucking crazy and all out into this war, oh this warfare mentality of the neighborhood, right? And then we see Abdel like organically seeing that. What do you think about what do you think about him killing his brother at that moment? Because he punches the fuck up, like he not he kills him for sure. He is dead, Mokhtar. What do you think of that scene? Um, all one shot too, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have mixed feelings. Um, for example, I mean, like like yeah. Mokhtar sucked. <laughs> like he yeah. had it coming. Eventually, something was going to get him. Yeah, but being like a family, uh... y- yeah, I I feel like that was part well, like, part like in the moment, like an overreaction of in the moment to, and also part like. Like, if this is what they want, right? Like, this is what they get. They killed my brother. That's him break. That's his breaking point. Like, I ultimately found his turn to be 
realistic enough. Like I bought it because of the situation they're in. It's very volatile, explosive situation. It is so explosive. Like tensions are running so fucking high. This entire movie, the entire movie doesn't relent. There is no relentlessness. Like it is relentless, the whole movie. Like there's always a high tension. There's, you can't, like if someone walks a little to the left, a stray bullet catches you kind of feeling. Like at any moment, it feels like a war movie that isn't set in a war, you know. Um, and because of that, I think the movie does a really good job of uh, of showing how how things can fall apart very quickly. In Abdel's case, falling hard for the cause, so to speak. It's not really for the cause, right? It's revenge. He's, hey, he's, just, he's just very angry basically. And uh, he just lets it all out. And because he is, you know, he's smarter and more in tune with what could be done. um, He knows how to get Sebastian. Hey, Sebastian, I know you're the PTSD ridden motherfucker that I know can open his locker, go open the fucking locker. Um, And he gets the guns out and shit. Um, Yeah, that was intense. That was a very intense ending. I mean, how do you feel about the ending of the movie? Because the ending is like, because along, along, along the ending, Right, leading up to it, you get notions, you get these like news clippings of like this thing happening in 90, city, 90 cities, 90 cities around the world. Like, this is, this is like a, you know, how Black Lives Matter kind of opened up all the all many, many different cities around the, mm-hmm. our country, right? And other parts of the Europe too, um, where like people start blowing up with these movements and anti cop mentality and all this shit. And this is doing the same. What they're doing here is ripple affecting everywhere across the world, right? And how do you feel about what led to the ending of blowing up the entire fucking building? Well, a couple stories. I mean, all the cops in it for sure. I think because oh, yeah, they're all gone. heading there. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't notice that it was around the world. I thought it was just they were just showing the the Athena neighborhood. No, they were just showing Athena for the whole time. But they, you you hear these uh, news reports every time they turn on the TV or whatever, and they mention a few times that uh, 90 cities or something was also oh, see, I didn't catch picking that. up the, cha- the, the the spear, so to speak, no. to okay. rebel against their shit. Um, yeah, it was happening everywhere, <laughs> and I don't think the 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 explosion probably it, the explosion probably caused a lot more rioting and looting mm-hmm. and movements against the establishments of their right. of their countries. <laughs> Now, do you want to talk about the ending ending? Yeah. What do you think of the ending? Fucking crazy. Well, crazy good or crazy bad? Well, obviously, it was bad because, obviously, obviously, it was like a, a staged thing. Hmm. Uh, well, how do you feel about that? How do, you, do you, think that's, uh, you think that's something that's happened in our real world? Uh, I don't know. Do you feel like something that, that's something that could happen? Probably. I would say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because, okay, so... It was pretty much so they were recording this, you know, the killing of Adir. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy dressed up as policemen. Right, but they were just right wing extremists. Yes, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you partially see the tattoo, but like, yeah, that's like, oh, that I've, I've seen that, like, you know, not an iron cross, but it was like. Yeah, it was something like that. No? Yeah, it was, but it was that cross you probably seen on, like, I don't know, an American History X or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um,. So in a way, what, so what do you think of the movie showing you that? Like, what does it do to you as far as what came about? Because so it makes it seem like so these people pretended to be police to do this murder, mm-hmm. and now it's like you have this whole clash, you know, against for an entity that at this point for you know was actually innocent. The police are actually innocent of this crime because it was just staged to make it look like that. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of it, bloodshed and innocence happening because of this one. On both sides, too, because yeah. um, it's not like they're represented into this fiasco at Athena, right? Um, it made me angry a little bit. Honestly, I think the movie pulled back a little bit because I feel like there was a, a, a solid message regarding the police brutality that is real and happening everywhere in the world, of course, a lot here as well. Um, we like to think we're the only ones, but we're not the only ones. Uh, we're just the loudest, probably. Um, but yeah, it's happening everywhere. And I think the movie, in my opinion, kind of like it, it, it wanted to open up the possibilities more of what right wing extremists would, they would fuel, they would add fuel to this fire to make it better for themselves later down the road, right? They want all of these people to kill each other. So they can have it, so they can have more of it, right? I get that, and I get that the movie's being more, more altruistic, a little more thinking, a little bit more next level than just like the police force entirely or the authorities. But like, I feel like the a good a good exclamation mark ending for this movie, I think, would have been that if like I I didn't agree with the right, I didn't agree with adding that at the end. Like, um, I feel like it should have stayed with some police people doing it, you know what I'm saying? And like, they were lying either like, Oh no, we caught them, but we don't know who they are, but we caught them, but we can't arrest them, you know, cause they have all these laws that are protecting them. Like, I feel like that would have been a good circle of what's going on. Like a good vicious circle, like a viewpoint of what's happened. Um, but ultimately the movie doesn't do that. It kind of pulls back a little bit by showing you this other third party doing this horrible thing, filming it and causing all of this violence. And destruction of property and people. Um, I mean, it's all fucked up. I mean, right? it's, it's, all, it's all really dark and shit. And and this movie is very unique of our time. Um, it feels like it's unique of our time. Of course, this has happened for a long ass time across many different states of the world. But with the internet being what it is, is that a movement like this can really grow. And a movement like this can really be exaggerated and obfuscated and translated badly to get whatever end result another person might want. Um, and in this case, Kareem's point of view is that he is true and very noble in his cause, but that leads to his death. If he wasn't so angry, he wouldn't have tried to throw that Molotov cocktail at that cop before getting shot, right? Um, if he was more in control of his emotions, he wouldn't have. If that was Abdel, he wouldn't have done that. You know, um, but of course that leads to Abdel dropping everything, saying "fuck it, I'm gonna do it," right? And and like him moving from room to room, being told updates of this and that. Sebastian's doing this; he's putting gas tanks everywhere, and like this guy needs your help. Uh, the cops are outside; someone's calling. He's constantly being called by that police negotiator, whatever that guy is, and um, him like giving him fucking nothing in return. That was intense. It was just a very intense movie, and uh, I really like what it has to say about it, and I think the filmmaking along the way makes it feel very real and in the moment, kind of like United A3, kind of like a, you know one of those kind of feeling movies. Um, yeah, just people liked it. But uh, did, it, did, it, did it shape anything in you, uh, Luke, or did it give you a perspective you hadn't seen before regarding this um, movement? I think so, especially like, you know, because the, they were all Muslim, right? A lot more faith, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like okay, and you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of persecution on that their end as well. So, and you see, you know, 
I'm sure people just get picked on mainly because of like religion or skin color, but I think religion was actually a big aspect of it. And Kareem, like, it was very like faithful to it. Like, you know, when he went to like the, the, the little morning ceremony, he had to you know change his clothes or yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's you, we see a lot of things from like you know uh, Christian Catholic ideologies, especially here in like the you know in the West. So yeah, it was a good to see like some another like religious point of view. Yeah. It was good. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I really, I think that's really it about the movie that I have. Um, I get into specifics, but basically, like all these actors acted, they really did a good job, I think, in the movie portraying these characters and um, portraying them in a at least a semi-realistic for me. Ultimately, all realistic when it, kind of way of our humanity and the changes of the time, and it feels like we're watching history in the making. Even though this is all made up, Athena is not a real place, by the way. It's a made-up place. It's not based on real events, although it is also based on real events, just real examples of real things happening. But in this case, they made it into like this almost Shakespearean, Roman, old school, like fable or parable of these three brothers falling to the establishments that's against the odds, right? Because I feel like there's some real like cautionary tale or like a fable that we're watching, like the the, the story of these three guys are going to be told throughout uh, generations, you know? Uh, because of what they're sparking. They are sparking, they're doing the spark that fuels the the whole movement, right, in many ways. So, like, I think this movie has a lot to say, and it's very interesting, and I really liked it. I really liked a lot of what it did. I think it did a lot really well, and subtle, and also not subtle. <laughs> so, um, do you have anything else to say on Athena? Mm, no. Right. Try to find those cuts and those one-shots. Yeah, yeah, you can find them, too, if you, if you look closer. Um, all right, so that's Athena. We're going to take a break. Our last movie here is going to be uh, 20 years ago, our 20th anniversary of um, About a Boy. So we're going to review that movie. So stay with us. A cynical, immature young man is taught, to act, is taught how to act like a grown-up by a little boy. This, this, that's the, that's the description. That's, okay. I mean, very simple, but also not lying, I guess. Um, this is about a boy, uh, uh, let's see, uh, directed by Chris and Paul Weitz, and uh, based on a novel by Nick Hornby, written by uh, Peter Hedges and Chris Weitz, it should be said. This movie stars Hugh Grant, Nicholas Holt, Tony Collette, Sharon Small, Madison Cook. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think what's her name. Rachel Vice is in this. She's not immediately shown here in the top building for something I have to like dig into it. But, um, this is a movie, a rom com, basically. I mean, it's not just a rom com, I would say, but it's, it's something like that. And anyway, um, this is, uh, made by, it's, it's, this movie is, <laughs> Written by the guy who did uh, or co-wrote for like things like Rogue One, The Golden Compass, but just as much American Pie. These are the American Pie guys that directed this movie. Um, so after American Pie, they did this movie, which is very strange because I feel like this is a big departure from their successful whatever American Pie is. But that was a big that was a big movie at the time. That I never really liked that much, but it was for its time, I guess, a, a big sex romp that people liked. So, anyway, um, I'm gonna start with this one and about a boy. I love this movie, I've seen this many times. This is probably like 
I don't know how many times, but it's my tenth time maybe. And um, seeing it again after a few years, at least a few years gap, it's uh, it reminded me a lot of the, of course, a lot of the things that are obviously dated because of the technology and the way we think nowadays as a society. It does have some of those elements in it, but ultimately, I think the movie is uh, quite universal for a certain type of person. And I feel like this movie has a lot to say about what it has to say, and it has a point to it. And I feel like it's very funny still to this day. I feel the jokes and the situations are unique and still, like, fun to laugh at and shit. Um, I really like Hugh Grant. This is the first movie I saw Hugh Grant and took him as a serious actor. Or I took him as to be a good actor. Because at that point, he had made basically just a string of rom-coms from Four Weddings and a Funeral to Notting Hill and whatever. And it felt like very, like, okay, he's just like a the guy that the girl falls in love with kind of guy, right? Um, and I didn't think much about him that much. But uh, About a Boy opened me up for him. And obviously, it introduced Nicholas Holt. It's his first movie, I believe. And um, introduced Nicholas Holt, which is, I mean, he's in The Great. He's in Mad Max. He's in a lot of things. And uh, and Skins, of course. But this is also a very holy uh, English film. Um, and I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. So what do you think of this movie, Look. Um, let's see. I've seen it about three to four times now. This might be like the fourth viewing. Um, I've always enjoyed it. There was like that time where like, I guess every like rom-com was up, another Hugh Grant movie, you know, seems like that's all he was doing. But I saw some of them. So I think from this, I think Bridget Jones Diary, Notting Hill, and I don't know what else. Mm. Yeah. Probably other things I just don't remember. Yeah. He's in a lot of things. He was definitely typecast. Yeah, it was very good, and uh, I I totally didn't know that this was Nicholas uh, Holt. Yeah, no, and I, I was I just mean, like, oh shit, like that is him. That that's right. Yeah, that is definitely him. That's his face. Um, uh, what what do you think about the the idea that no man is an island? Do you do you think that's true? Um, I mean, knowing me, probably I would like to think it's true. <laughs> you like to think that it's true that you can be an island. You mean? Is that what you mean? You like yeah, but I guess you know. It also brings in like yeah. It, while you, you know, be an island, it's like okay. Mm, you probably want to let other people in to have meaning. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's a unique. It's a it's a unique movie because um, we're basically following, or oh, the main character, I should say is a shallow, cynical man and uh, that is rich, right? Like, he he's never worked a day in his life. Um, I've never met a person <laughs> that's done that. That isn't, that isn't like a child who can't work, you know? Um, and the great thing about him is that they, the movie does a very good job of... And it's also a play on words with the title because about a boy could be... You think it's about Nicholas Holt, but it could be about him. Yeah. Because he is a man child. <laughs> he is very immature. And uh, some of it, some of his uh, cynical ways defends him from growing up. It keeps him from growing up as a person and maturing at all. Um, like uh, there's this really funny um, scene early on in the movie where he gets invited by his friends and to see their new baby. Oh, and, yes. Um, and he's so like. Uh, not into any of it and then mm-hmm. they ask him to be that little girl, little baby girl's grandfather uh, no not grandfather godfather. godfather sorry godfather and he's like 
at first it sounds like he's like, no, like that's a terrible idea because you know these funny reasons. But also, he, you know, he says something awkward, and then the girl's like the 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 friend that tells like, that uh, like uh, asks him to be the Godfather. He's like, oh, I thought you had hidden depths, Will. He's like, no, 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 you always had that wrong about me. I've always been the shallow. <laughs> <laughs> but he means it too. He has like this yeah, face. Like, he's sincere no, 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 about no. it. Like, yeah, he's like, no, no, I'm always a shot. Like, it's this, it's like his, his worst quality is what he uses to defend himself. And it's a very like uh, fucked up, a uh, little, little <laughs> fucked up place to be in, really, in life to to be that way, you know? Um, and it's funny. And I, and it, he's not exactly unrelatable either for a rich person and never worked in his life. He's He's not entirely relatable. But like, he has a lot of re- he has a lot of watchability. But like, we should hate him. But do you hate Will in this movie? No, I actually like. You know how he has like whole whole thing with units. Yes, units of time. That's something I do. Oh, you do? Uh, give me I don't example. call them units, but I break it up into like thirty minute increments, like he does. Okay, give me. An I example. don't call it a unit, but that's how I try to structure my things. You know. So many units is this, four units. Uh, God, sometimes six. Yeah, sometimes six. Right. Um, give me an example of the last time you used it. Like, uh, what do you use it? Like for work mainly, or oh uh, no, like even like uh, let's say I have to do something before work, right? I will structure it in like, even though this this errand might take five minutes, I will dedicate thirty minutes to it just in case. Ah, okay. I get it. That's good. That's not a bad way to live in. I mean, I, I don't do that personally, but I get I get the whole units of time measurement thing. Um, but also, he has had a lot of free time to think about this kind of thing. Yes, he also has. you know, like um, he that whole thing where he puts in the carefully disheveling his hair yes. thing. That's four units. That's two hours. He does that. <laughs> by the way, I thought that was just for haircuts. No, it wasn't a haircut. It was just having his care carefully disheveled. That's what he said. In the See, movie. when he said that, I thought I was like, "Oh, he that's his that's his haircut time." So they cut it and they make it look in a particular way. Hmm. I can't imagine someone taking two hours a day just to get their hair disheveled in a particular way. I yeah I, I yeah I don't even know what to say about it. That's such a that's such a a one percent service that I would never do. You know, unless I'm there as well. Unless I have like literally, you have to have fuck you money to do that, um, which apparently he does have enough of. Yeah. And um, this movie is about trauma too, a lot of it. Um, this movie does not hold back on that too. Has uh, some suicidal things with uh, Marcus. So, what do you think about Marcus in this movie? Uh, I was almost said rough. Um, <laughs> Luke. Um, Marcus is like, I feel bad for the kid, man. Like the whole time or early on like, only? Or? Like in the beginning, especially because it's like, this is the kid that is going to get picked on because he's so weird because of his mother and her tendencies. Dude, that she's that total scene that felt like a horror movie when she says, I love you in front of the whole school. Oh, it's cringe. So cringe. It's like, oh, can I have like, or like the sugary cereal? No, that's only on this day. Here's your ancient fucking oats. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, jeez. <laughs> and then like the, the, the. The, the dead shit dog. he wears, or yeah. yeah, poor kid. Like this is how you, this is how Dahmer was made. This is how I mean, had she gone through, show, so had she succeeded in her suicide attempt, 
Um, I totally forgot about that too. Well, really, you did. Wow, no, it's it's surprising. I was like, oh fuck! Like when we walk into that scene, it's just like, bam, she's on the couch, and yeah, I guess it feels we felt that same emotion then because I was like, I was, oh shit, like oh man, and they no. didn't hold back. No, and that you know, I really liked that scene. It felt very much like his, uh, like a kid version of that scene too, where after her attempt, she goes back home and. She, you know, he's like, this is where he decides that she needs a boyfriend. You need backup, right? Backup, yeah. emotional backup to help you out with uh, with this very, like, they're a two-person family right now. And they have no one else. And he asks all these questions like, I know you're okay now, but I can't watch you all the time. What if you're not okay tomorrow and all this shit? Right? Like, you can that's, see That's some kid. heavy shit to think about. It's as, as some heavy shit. It's some heavy shit that he is... Uh, casually throwing out there as like this burden that he's taking on him, upon himself to help his mother out, um, well, which obviously leads to the whole ending of the film, which in many ways helps out Will as much as Marcus. Uh, obviously, um, I do think that Marcus is the real MVP of the movie, in my opinion. Like, I think um, it's easier to blame Will or Hugh Grant's character as um, for all his troubles because he is so shallow or something. All these things that he never got to grow out of, it is based on um, uh, a trauma that we don't have a biggest handle on regarding his father because there's two moments, in, for example, there's two moments in this movie where they have a little supernatural element where Marcus, under that duck day, sees his mother across the pond. Yeah. Now, not like across the ocean pond. I mean, a literal pond. Um, waving at him, right? And mm-hmm. um, and then we see later on, uh, Will is shopping for something, and he hears the song in November. He's like, "Fuck the fucking song, the Christmas song that he hates," right? <laughs> and he sees his dad picking out some alcohol down the mm-hmm. way, or some milk, or whatever. And we, you get those moments for each of those characters. What do you think those mean? I mean, the suicide one we get. But, like, what do you think it meant for Will? I don't know. I thought, like, was he just losing it or what? Um, well, it never happens again. But they show that these two characters have these hang-ups, right? And, we, like I said, we understand Marcus's hang-up, what's going on with his mother. We understand that much easier than the father. But what do you think is happening with the father or happened? To, like, is that the key to his you know, lack of maturity? Is that his key to his cynicism? Is that his key to believing that a man can be a fucking island? His shallowness? Like... Um, I actually can't... I don't know. I think movie's trying to say something for sure. And obviously it's open to interpretation. Yeah, I never thought of that scene. I thought it was just like something just happens. Like, oh. No. I, don't, I think it was very purposeful. I don't, just don't know. I'm just saying, I... The movie doesn't tell you what it means. It gives you options, like whatever you think it means, kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I'm not entirely sure what I think it means. For me personally, I feel like it's it's going to stay blurry. <laughs> anyway, um, I think for me, um, like, like he feels like this power—not power, but this feeling of having, like, being. Like him having this, his lifestyle based on a song that he hates, that he's grown to hate, is connected to what his father's ultimate failure of life being is that he can never recreate that same magic. And I feel like the reason he has a guitar at home, remember that 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 Marcus plays with and shit, mm-hmm. um, 
he doesn't admit to it to to the kid that he has that because look, oh yeah, it's to get chicks. No, I think for him, I think he is like one as a maybe as a younger kid, he wanted to step into his father's shoes and be like some sort of like the next wave of progress regarding the family music making business. I don't know what. And I feel like a lot of the dreams were like like changed onto him as well. Maybe not on purpose, but it happened. And along the way, when he had to give up on that, he gave up on himself and never actually achieved his own dreams. Like he never cared about to be with anything. Like he couldn't even make it to a soup kitchen to volunteer once. Yeah, that was funny. He's like walking up and it's like almost made it. Yeah, Almost. yeah. Like I went to the super kitchen once. I very nearly made it. <laughs> yeah, but he did the Amnesty International thing, and yes, just trying to pick up chicks. Oh, so bad. Uh, that scene I, might not fly today anymore. By the way, no. He has that Burma situation going on. <laughs> Probably still bad. Um, now there's uh, there's something this movie has that's very is unique to our time. And that is the subtitle scene. What is so? Can you describe this scene, Luke? Um, so it's Christmas, and he, mm-hmm. he gets a CD. Marcus gets a CD from uh, Will. Will from Will, and it's a mystical. Yeah, is the rapper a, name? Yeah, and, that was a big song back then. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> but this thing was like, "Shake your ass" was the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the grandmother's like, because they're like, well, what kind of music is it? Oh, it's world music. And they like, shake your ass. Like, is that Moroccan? <laughs> yeah. So in the subtitles for this movie, it says, shake your ass. When the grandmother, who is like a dawdling old woman, doesn't understand what's going on right now. Um, and really funny and earnestly asks, thinks that shake your ass is S H E I K. And then Y-U-R-A-S-S, meaning like a name. It's a name of a person, not to shake your literal ass. It's like a name of a person. And then subtitles that says that. And she's like, oh, shake your ass. Is he Moroccan? Like, is that a Moroccan name? And does not understand what is going on. And this is the one of the very few times where subtitles in a movie makes that joke land. Because, I mean, without it, you can still chuckle at it because the grandma doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. But, like, and if you're watching her subtitles, it's way funnier that you understand, like, oh, she thought she heard a name. <laughs> and this is the name we're reading in the subtitles. It's very, it's unique. It's unique. But it's a good example of why subtitles are king as far as watching mm-hmm. stuff for me and for you. So, I love that scene so much. Oh, we're having duck. Delicious. Like, no, we're having fun. These are vegetarians. We're not having duck. Um, this movie has a lot of one, great one-liners. A lot of great one-liners. Like, uh, with the whole dead duck scene, of course. Like, Marcus, you didn't have to throw the whole loaf. It would have killed me, too. You know, whatever he says. That. It's great. It's very dry British humor that works out um, oh, yeah. really well in this movie. Um, yeah. It's... it's it's uh, very good, but it never it never stops with uh, with the trauma too as well. Like the movie has a lot of dramatic moments. Rachel Weiss, what do you think of her introduction to the movie? Like her being Will's love interest, basically the last love interest, the big one. What do you think of her and her entrance in the movie? Um, I mean, it kind of like it was pivotal because after you know, I mean, they split. Obviously, you know. He realizes I can't, 
be this island anymore, you know? I need people on it. Hmm. Like, well, he, he got he got used to this thing, like, you know, he would have uh Marcus would come over, they would just shoot the shit, you know, with each other for like an hour yeah. or whatever, and then you know, he's getting Rachel and he likes her because I mean Will was kind of a fucking douchebag. Like he's like, hmm, I have a thing for single moms now. Let me just try to pick up these single moms. Um real horrible douchebag. Oh, he he also goes the extra mile with uh with the, <laughs> the car seat meeting. or the support meeting. Oh, the support right. meeting, right? Uh, single parents all together, which spells spat, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. That's a thing. Yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> so it kind of like humanized, like like no longer just you know in it just to get get it in. He like he just wants, I guess, maybe something sincere. Mm-hmm. So. I guess Rachel was the one that made him realize that. Well, he also said in the voiceover, because the movie has a lot of voiceover mm-hmm. in it, um, he goes on to, he says something like, once you, well, you know, like, it's all Marcus's fault. Like, once you let someone into your life, it's much easier to let others or mm-hmm. something like that. Something to that effect. And of course, like, unconsciously becomes, subcon- maybe subconsciously, he becomes, it, it's attached to, to Rachel Weiss in the movie. Um, and the fact that he's lived his entire life and has nothing built on it, no foundational interest, really. Um, he makes up the story. This is where the real plot. It's funny because this is like where I feel like the plot really kicks in, uh, even though the plot has already been definitely going and the story is halfway through, um, where he has Marcus be his son, pretend to be his son. Right. You know, he right. says, I never said son. You thought it was my son. Right. That's I was like, oh, the mind. That's uh, a cop out. Yeah. The, the mental gymnastics you're pulling, my friend, for this. It's fucking called gaslighting, by the way. <laughs> I don't think they had that term back then. No, probably not. Um, but that's what it was. Um, yeah, it's good. And it's, uh, and it leads to that singing part, which is a, a, a they, you know, the whole singing thing about uh, Killing Me Softly in the mm-hmm. auditorium, the ending of the movie. Um, it's uh, it was <laughs> it was foreshadowed when he has that pseudo date with Marcus and the mom. Yeah. Um, when they're like, I guess they went back to his so house, cringy. their house, and they're singing, and and he's like, he's like, here's where the here's the part where they close their eyes, like to show how sincere they are with the singing, um, and how he can't do that. He can't feel something he can't go all in on something like they do mm-hmm. um which again speaks to how fucked up this guy is not very he's very toxic he's a very toxic man yeah um this is that that the movie and again this is maybe maybe with the times this is 2002 um but like the movie acknowledges that this guy's fucked up and toxic but it makes it funny and relatable almost like walking it away like all these women that he's fucking over in many ways are like beneath him. And because we don't know anything about them, we don't know much about them. This movie gets away with it. And, uh, obviously, like I said, it's very 2002, but it works out in this movie. Um, yeah, I just, I just love this movie, you know? And, uh, I like how stubborn Will is even at the end, how he's like, no, I mean, a man can still be an Island. There's just Island chains, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> You can't, you know, like whatever. It's 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 great. Um, kind of like a, um, I, I thought about George Clooney and Up in the Air. Yeah, no, yeah. There's some similarities there for sure. He's a man uh, just devoted to his job and flying and never being home. Yeah, yeah having as little as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, really funny movie. I rec- we recommend it to everyone. Everyone should watch it. I don't. Know, it's not streaming anywhere, unfortunately. But you, if we, if you can't find it, uh, just a super, VHS super copy somewhere. Yeah, something, something. They were still making VHS back then. Um, it's not that long ago. Uh, all right. So I feel like that's that's mainly it for the review of uh, Butter Boy. Uh, unless you have something else. Are you good? I'm good. All right. All right, that is it for our review of Bobada Boy, and that is it for our show. You have been listening to another movie podcast this whole fucking time. Don't forget that we are a bi-weekly show. We come out every other Wednesday, and I'm pretty sure Rob will be available for that next Wednesday. So um, until then, uh, we have the next movies coming up here. Luke, what are you picking? You are... Okay. <laughs> you forgot. Okay, so for the marathon pick... Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, we got... 20 years ago. We painted somebody's, you know, painted the town with somebody's blood. Two coats. Two coats. I know what this is. What is it? Well, I think this is my first introduction to Daniel Day-Lewis, I believe. Is it really? Not I think bad. that's the first movie you showed me. Oh, not bad. Not a bad first movie for him. Yeah, uh, Gangs of New York. Yeah. I can't believe that movie is 20 years old now. <sighs> Martin know. Scorsese's Gangs in New York is our next review, guys, for our marathon, our 20th yeah. year anniversary. So, um, but what else are we reviewing that day? Uh, we are going to watch the Black Panther, uh, pa- Panther, Wakanda Forever movie. Yes, which just everyone came out. Seen, for sure. And we will top it off with our favorite man, Kevin Smith in Clerks 3. Clerks 3, guys. I- that's like a movie that really only people our age or older know. That's yeah. a unique Gen Z. Well, not Gen Z. A Gen, what are, Gen are we? Gen X? Uh, I'm a millennial. Whatever we are. You um, are part of the greatest generation, I think? No. No. Shut up. <laughs> um, Gen X, I think I am. Anyway, um, yeah, so those are three movies. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see those movies. Uh, in the case of Gans in New York, again, I love that movie. So... Um, don't forget to catch us until then I am Oscar and Luke see you later